Amen. Before we get seated, I want us to welcome our guests and friends who are joining us today. Why don't we welcome our guests and friends here? Amen. Amen. So good to see everyone here today. Before I get you seated, why don't we turn to the book of Philippians, chapter 3. We're going to continue on this series and this theme of knowing, to know Christ. Philippians 3, 8 and then 10 to 11. I'm reading from the NLT. Yes, everything else is worthless when compared with the infinite value of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. For his sake, I have discarded everything else, counting it all as garbage, so that I could gain Christ. I want to know Christ and experience the mighty power that raised him from the dead. I want to suffer with him, sharing in his death, so that one way or another, I will experience the resurrection from the dead. Amen. Why don't we lift our hands one more time and ask the Lord, to speak to us. Father, Lord, we just want to thank you, God, today, Lord, for your presence. I thank you, God, for bringing us together, Lord, as a body, God, throughout the different locations, Lord. And Father, I pray today, God, as we continue on this journey and this uh, team, oh God, of knowing you more, God. Lord, I pray today, God, Lord, that you will give us all here, God, a fresh new revelation, God, of who you are, God, of your character, God. Lord, that as we begin to know you more, Lord, that we'll begin able to trust you more, Lord, with our lives. So, Father, I pray today, God, speak to us, God. I pray that you will anoint our ears to hear, and Lord, you help me to, to speak forth what you want to say today, God. And I, Father, I pray that remove anything that is unlike you. Remove every uh, distraction, remove every lie, God. Remove anything, oh God, that will cause us to, to question your word. But today, I pray, have your way. Have full liberty today, God. Lord, as we lift our hands here today, God. Lord, we are saying, Lord, enter in, God. Step into our lives, Lord. Lord, we give you full, full access, Lord, to us today. In Jesus' name we pray. And everyone say, Amen. You may be seated. Today we're going to be touching on part two of this series where we're going to focus on the character of Christ. Amen. Um, I know that this is probably something that some of you, especially if you've been here for a long time in in church, or if you're a Christian for a long time, you, ask, you might be thinking, oh, character of Christ, I know. You know, you ask me about character of Christ, I can list you a whole list of God's characteristics or Jesus' characteristics. But I, I think last week's um, message really kind of set the tone for, for us, even for myself, because we realised that, hey, even though uh, whether I've been in church for 10 years, or maybe this is the first time I'm visiting a church, I realised that I really don't fully know him. You know, that there's, we'll never get to a place where we graduate from knowing about Christ because there's so much to know about him that even this entire lifetime that we have, we're never able to know everything about him. So, we just read off this scripture that Paul was saying that, hey, whatever gains I have in life, every good thing I may have, I consider it as garbage. In fact, in the King James, he said he considered as dung. He's using very strong words that, wow, even the best things I have in life, when I compare it to knowing Christ, is dung. Yeah. And so, is that our approach to knowing Christ? For some of us, even for myself, sometimes I may, I'm, I don't have that kind of attitude. Yeah. i rather have the blessings in life. To me, that, wow, that one more attractive than knowing God. Because knowing God, 
Hey, you, I come to church so long already. It's, it's nothing special. Lor. You know, and as we come today, you know, and as we embark on this series, I don't want us to come and think that we got it all settled. But let us come like Paul, that, that I'm going to get something new, something fresh, that whatever I have already in life, I consider it as garbage. So do we come today like Paul or do we come today with an attitude that, hey, you know what, I come to church and I treat God as an experience that only once a week I hear something about Him. Or maybe I come to church every week or I label myself as a Christian so that I can get the benefits of a Christian. Like what? Oh, when I pray that God will answer my prayer. But as we come today, I don't want us to treat Him like an object like a genie or like a lucky charm. We read in 1 Samuel chapter 4, verse 3, and we see that the children of Israel, they came to a point they treated God like that. They treated God not like a person, but like a it, a thing. It reads, And when the people had come into the camp, the elders of Israel said, Why has the Lord defeated us today before the Philistines? Let us bring the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord from Shiloh to us that when it comes among us, it may save us from the hands of our enemies. See, the children of Israel had lowered God to a place of being an it. That, hey, wow, this one is for the, uh, my protection charm. Like a fool, okay? That they wear, they bring out, or like they, you know, they wear the necklace, the cross, then they think they can ward off all the bad things in life. Right, right. That's, that's not what Christianity is. Right. It's about knowing Him. It's about a relationship with Him. And so, if we don't want to treat Him like an it today, then at the same time, we also know He's real. I mean, the past month, we talk about God being in charge. We talk about this whole idea of being a Christian atheist and how we shouldn't stay a Christian atheist, that even though we believe in His existence, but yet we live as if He doesn't exist in our lives. So then, Maybe the question is, why do I have such a shallow experience of Him? Mm. Regardless of whether you are new here or maybe you have been here, you know, some of you have been in TJ even longer than I've ever lived. You know, but yet, how come our experience is so shallow? See, the reason is very evident. Is that I had never taken time to know Him right. and to minister unto Him. And that is why we are all in this series today. As fundamental, as, as simple as it is, yet it is the most important thing. Because at the end of the day, Christianity is about knowing Christ. Right. And today we are wanting to shift our encounters with God from a it to a Him. Yeah. And we are wanting to discover Him more fully. Amen. Amen. Last week we looked at three statements. First one, we don't fully know Christ. Secondly, Jesus is a hard guy to pin down. See, when we come here today, let us not box him up in a box that we, oh, I already know. No. We're going to look at some um, characteristics about Jesus today. And it's not new. It's nothing, wow, wow, I never heard that before. And don't let our past understanding of him box him in. But let us remove that box. Let us remove that lid and allow him to, to, to speak to us, to allow him to, to encounter him in a way we have never encountered before. And the third statement is why we need to fully know Him. Because if we do not fully know Him, we're going to go about our lives afraid. Just like the disciples on the ship 
when the waves of life crash on them, they were afraid. Even when Jesus is there, they don't even know it's Him. It's, they are like scared. Oh, kuya, God goes. And that's not how God wants us to view Him today. So to take the next step of knowing Jesus more fully, today we're going to explore the character of Christ. See, when you want to know someone better, the more you know an individual, the more you know their character, the more you get to trust them. You know, I'm sure many of you, uh, whether it's in workplace or in school, when you get project or you got group work, you really roughly know, uh, maybe year one, when you team up with some friends, then you don't know them. Then you find out, wow, this guy, freeloader, never do anything. Then at the end, the A grade he also get, but he never do anything. Then come year two, year three, you know, okay, this person, I'm not going to group with him really. Why? Because you begin to know the person's personality, you begin to know the person's character, you know his pattern already, right? So you're like, well, okay, okay, I will stay clear of him. Okay? And likewise with Christ, sometimes we may like, oh, I don't trust God. And it's okay at the start, maybe you don't really know him. But as we begin to know more about his character, you're going to realize, wow, my God is faithful. My God is able. My God loves me. He has the best interest for me. And so I can trust him. Amen? See, why are we looking at the character? I did a very basic, simple search of what the word character means. It basically means one of the attributes or features that make up and distinguish an individual. An example of a statement used is, this is a side of his character that few people have seen. And maybe there's a side of God, there's a side of Jesus that you have not seen today. And today we want to see that. We want to expand our understanding and knowledge of who He is. Yes. Amen. There's this illustration that I thought was very funny. Okay? I hope it brings across the point of knowing uh, God in a better way. A group of children was lining up for lunch in the cafeteria of a church primary school. At the head of the table was a bowl of juicy apples. The supervising nun wrote a note and placed it next to the apples and said, Take only one. God is watching. <laughs> At the other end of the table was a large pile of chocolate-coated biscuits. And then a child very smart, he wrote a note and put it next to the plate. <laughs> Take as many as you want. God is watching the apples. <laughs> see, it's so cute, we laugh about it. But you see, the kid didn't really understand this character of God that God is omniscient, that He's ever-knowing, He's ever-present, you know? And could it be that one of the major reasons why we don't fully know Christ is that there are many facets of His character that we don't know. Maybe we're like the kid. We think, oh, I can do this because God don't know what. I can continue to live this way. Or I can continue to try to be in control of my life because I don't know if God will, will, will care for me, if He will look after me. How many of us ever struggle to worship Him? Even today morning, some of us, wow, we enter into the presence of God so easy. But maybe for some of us, we have a difficult time. Because maybe there are things going on in your life that is making you question, hey, God real or not? Wow, why so sad? I'm very tired at work. I come here today, wow, still ask me to worship. Still ask me to listen to the Word. You know, have we ever struggled to worship Him? Have we ever struggled to trust Him? Anyone ever struggle with that? Well, not a lot of people struggle. I'm so happy for you, you know, but I do. Yeah. Or ever struggle to know His will or plan or purpose. You ever wonder, oh, why God put me in this earth for what? Ah? Yeah. 
And we struggle with our identity. We struggle with our esteem. But today, that is why we need to know his character. Last week, Brother Peter talked about many of the times it's not a self-identity issue. When we want to answer the greatest question, who am I? Who am I created to be? All of us want to know what God made me to be. And the answer to that question is not many times God telling you, oh, Charles, I call you to be so and so. I call you to do this. But Jesus or God answered Abraham. When Abraham asked him, who am I? God answered him, I am. And that is God's answer to us today. I am. And then you fill in the blank, whatever he needs to be. So three reasons why we need to know Jesus' character. Firstly, knowing Christ's character affects our worship. In John chapter 4, verse 22 to 23, it reads, You worship what you do not know. We know what we worship, for salvation is of the Jews. But the hour is coming, and now is when the true worshippers will worship the Father in spirit and truth, for the Father is seeking such to worship Him. See, when we begin to know more about who God is, who Christ is, then your ability to worship Him becomes deeper. See, worship is not just singing a slow song. Many times when we have praise and worship, first two songs fast, so, oh, that's praise. The last two songs slow, so, oh, that's worship. No, worship is not about that. Worship is about attributing worth to someone or something. Do you know that we can unknowingly worship the other things in life? We can worship our spouse, we can worship our jobs, we can worship our lusts, our, the things we desire, the pleasures of life. Why? Because we just simply attribute worth to it above God. And that's what the Bible calls idolatry. But if we can affix and, and, and see value that knowing Jesus is way better than everything else I can know in this world, that is worship to Him. See, our understanding of who Jesus determines our attitude when we come to worship Him today. See, we come here today, we listen, we hear the same songs, we hear the same sermon. But two people can walk out of here today feeling very different. Yes. One person can come and leave this place feeling energized by His Spirit, refreshed by His Spirit. But another person can leave, oh, why I come today for what? And the only difference is what? It's their attitude. Right. And so let us allow God to, to shift our attitude today. Right, right as we come to know Him. In Psalms chapter 47, verse 7, For God is the King of all the earth. Sing praises with understanding. Amen. Don't just sing the praise because you remember the song, you memorize the lyrics, but sing it because you understand what that song means. Right. Amen. And how many times, you know, when we sing, for example, the songs like Waymaker, why does that hit us sometimes? Oh, so deep. Oh, I feel it. God feels. Why? Because... It's not just because it's a nice song. It's because we experience Him in that song. We know what He means when we sing that He is a way maker. Amen. When we sing that He is a miracle worker. Why? Because we experience Him making a way in times of trials, in times of difficulty. And that's what knowing His character does to us. It affects our worship. See, many religions believe in the existence of the person Jesus. Many believe Him to be a good man. Even last week we talked about that when Jesus asked, who do you say I am? Many people say that, oh, you are a good teacher, you are a good prophet. But the question is, who do you say I am? Who do I say Jesus is? 
See, but they do not worship Him. So your understanding of His character will ultimately determine your worship to Him. Yes. It's one thing to praise Him and thank God for what He has done. But what happens when things don't go our way? When we pray and, eh, why God never answer my prayer? Does it mean that when He stops the so-called blessings, then the worship stops? See, there is a deeper and more intimate dimension of faith when we are worshipping Him for who He is. That's why Paul said to know Him, Amen. not only in the power of the resurrection. We love that. Wow, we experience power, miracles. That's great. But there's something even deeper than that. The fellowship of His suffering. We don't like it. We hear like, oh, I don't want. But that's where we get to know Him even more intimately. See, even in, 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 in our own relationships with people around us, with my spouse, with my wife, I'm glad we celebrate all the good times or, or like uh, uh, the great events in our life or like birthdays. But those things don't really deepen the relationship. Yeah. The, the things that really deepen my relationship with my wife wow. is the hard times. Amen. Like now when baby crying, oh, then my wife not feeling well, they still have to take care, right? Then it's like in the hard times, we're like, okay, let's not give up. Let's continue. Right. And it's in these sufferings. Yeah, I'm not saying it's like, wow, I'm so poor me. No, I'm just giving an example. that It's in the difficult times or even when you fight and then you learn to fight well and fight through it and then you, you get okay after that. But those experiences, even though we don't go and seek for it, it deepens our relationship. Yes. There's such an intimacy that happens. Very good. Amen. Likewise, we've with, with God, when we go through life and bad stuff happen to us, but we stick it in with Him, that's where we will get that, that secret place. That's where we enter that secret place. In Habakkuk chapter 3, verse 17 to 18, Even though the fig leaves have no blossoms and there are no grapes on the vines, even though the olive crop fails and the fields lie empty and barren, even though the flocks die in the fields and the cattle buns are empty. Oh, it doesn't sound good, man. It sounds like, wow. Oh, when economy is bad, when COVID hit, I'm sick, doctor report is bad. That's what this verse is saying. Wow, my bank account is emptying out. But here's what the prophet says. Yet, I will rejoice in the Lord. Yet, I will rejoice in the Lord. I will be joyful in the God of my salvation. See, even though when we, the things in life, we may seem like, hey, I'm lacking. But one thing is for sure we don't lack is He is the God of our salvation. Aren't you thankful today that the salvation you experienced didn't run dry? Why don't we lift up a praise one more time? Father, we thank You, God, that You are the God of our salvation and yet I will rejoice in You. Yet I will remain joyful, Lord, that despite what may happen in life, Lord, I thank You that Your salvation never runs dry. Amen, amen, amen. See, worship is to honour with extravagant love and extreme submission. Even though when things don't seem to make sense, yet we still obey Him, yet we still love Him. That is what worship is. So knowing Christ's character affects our worship. The second reason why it's so important to know Christ's character is that it allows us to trust Him. Like I mentioned earlier, when you get to know someone in your school and you recognise, wow, this guy is very trustworthy, very dependable. When he say he get it done, he get it done then the more you want to group together. Right? Makes sense, right? right? And so, same thing with Christ. The more we experience Him, that God, wow, when I thought everything going to end bad, wow, suddenly you come true for me. When I thought 
you know, so-and-so in my family is going to not make it. But when I prayed, you answered. I can trust you. Wow, you, God, your history is solid. Your account is solid. You got a very good account. I can trust you. So knowing Christ, God's character, is the foundation of great faith. Sometimes we may feel like, wow, but my faith is so weak. Why? Because we don't spend time to know Him. The, the Bible says that faith comes by hearing, hearing the Word of God. And that's why hearing coming on a Sunday or even your own time spending in the Word is so important. Why? Because the Word helps us to know Him. And the more you know Him, the greater and the, 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 the more strong your faith is. In Daniel chapter 11, verse 32, But the people who know their God shall be strong and carry out great exploits. It didn't say here the people who are very talented, the people who are very rich, the people are, who are very, got everything in life, they shall be strong. No, he's saying that the people who know their God, they shall be strong. Yes. So, we know the story of Abraham and Moriah and Isaac. What caused Abraham to risk it all, to offer up his only son as a sacrifice to God? See, Abraham knew God and trusted his character even when he didn't understand. See, you can only trust whom you know is trustworthy. And God wants to show you that he is trustworthy Amen. today. Amen. The third reason why it's so important to know Christ's character is that knowing Christ's character answers the question of who am I created to be? It answers the question that Moses asked God, who am I that you asked me to go to Egypt? See, Jesus is the answer to the lifelong question we are asking. What did God call me to be? Who should I be? God's original design for man was for them to be made in His image. But sin broke that perfect image. And we have no idea what it means to go back to God's original pattern. In Colossians 1.15, it says, He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. See, I'm so thankful that Jesus came, that God came, manifested Himself in flesh. You know, many of us think of Jesus as some superhuman, like superhero. You know, I know many of you here watched Disney Plus recently. You know, it started in Singapore. And we are excited to watch WandaVision. We love to watch Avengers. Why? Because like, wow, like superhero, right? And we, we think that God is like that. Well, he comes, Jesus is super, he's an Avenger. But do you know that he came as a, as a man? And why? See, I cannot relate to the Avengers because they are superhero. Like, I want, I may want to be like them, but I cannot relate to them because I know it's, it's never going to happen. But I can relate with Jesus because he came as a man. Amen. Brother Chris shared that scripture that, that Christ is like that high priest. That when Jesus was on earth, whatever struggle you are struggling today, he knows how that feels like. Eh? Amen. And because of that, you, he's, he, if I could put it in these words, he's saying, bro, I understand. I know how you feel. Come, let's go through it together. If you're experiencing loss, Jesus knows what it felt like. If you're experiencing grief, He knew what it felt like. He wept, He cried. Amen. And so, when we 
have this image, when we have this example that Jesus came, I'm so thankful because now I know what it means to be like Christ. I can be like that. I may not be able to be an avenger, like an iron man, but I think I can be like Christ because He showed me what it means. Amen? In Romans chapter 8, verse 29, For those whom He foreknew, He also predestined to be conformed to the image of His Son, in order that He might be the firstborn among many brothers. See, we cannot pray or sing, I want to be like Jesus, and then not know what it means to be like Him. See, when Jesus came to live on this earth, He was basically saying, hey, I'm showing you an example of what it means to be a disciple of Christ, what it means to be led by God. He showed us through His character. See, the, the, the way that children learn most from parents, I notice, I will begin to experience it even more as my son grows up, is that he's not going to learn most from what I tell him, but he's going to learn most from how he see me act, how he see me live. And that's exactly what it means to know his character when we see the way uh, Jesus acts through the word, how he responds in difficult times. Amen. That's how he's showing, this is how I did it. Now, imitate me, follow me. And that's why knowing him is so important because ultimately, that's what being a Christian is. The word Christian is, means to be like Christ. Amen. So that's why we want to know his character. So, now that I've listed some three, three good reasons, I hope that is good enough to convince you why I need to know the character of Christ. Amen? Let's take a look at the character of Christ today. See, we can learn a lot about a person from what they are called. For example, um, this past uh, week in our care group, we did this game. It's called a word association game. And we throw out, you know, among the different uh, members, we say that, okay, when I say... Uh, Wen Qi, what is the first thing that comes to your mind? What do you associate her with? And some of them say, oh, she's a great cook. When, I, when we throw up like, uh, another member, uh, Cheryl, associate her with, oh, a great interior designer. Okay. Um, who else? Um, uh, when I throw up Charles, someone said, oh, designer. And why, why was these words associated with these names? Because... At some point, we experience that individual with that particular word. You know, um, I've uh, been able to go on several projects with Seth to design some of our past uh, Sand magazines. And so the experience gave us this thing that we could associate together with, right, right. right? And similarly, for example, when you think of the titles, like some people may call me Charles, my wife calls me Babe, my mother calls me Aboy. Some call me Mr. Tiang, some call me Brother Charles. And very soon, someone will be calling me Papa or Daddy. And see, all these things associate and make up who I am. And so by understanding and knowing the different titles or names that an individual has, you begin to realise, hey, this is a puzzle, it's a building block to the whole picture. Oops, sorry. And likewise with Christ, likewise with God when we see the different facets of Him, we will realise, wow, I never knew you in this way. Some of you, you, you will never know me as your father. Only Micah will. Right? Some of you will never know me as your son. Only my mother will. And likewise, the beautiful part with God is all of us can experience all the different characteristics of Him. And He doesn't limit it. He's not a respecter of persons. He's not saying that, oh, Brother Chris, I only will reveal to you that I'm your saviour. 
but as provider, I'm not going to review it. He doesn't do that to us. He doesn't withhold that. But he's saying, let me come experience me. It's just a matter of our attitude. How much do we want to know him? Mm -hmm. Amen. In John chapter 20, verse 30, and truly Jesus did many other signs in the presence of his disciples, which are not written in this book. See, there's so much about Jesus and his character that we can never explore over a lifetime. In fact, there's no way we can go through every single one of his character here. I think if we do that, I don't know when we will ever leave this place. Okay? We know some of his titles, some of his names, he's Emmanuel, Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace, the Good Shepherd, the Light of the World. We can, some of us can memorize from A to Z every title about who God is. And so in our quest to know him more this morning, thankfully we're going to only unpack three titles. Okay, three titles attributed to Jesus and why it matters to us and how we worship Him. And I hope you don't just stop at these three. But as you leave this place and when you begin to spend time with God in your own devotional time, begin to explore. I think that is a very beautiful subject to explore. The character of Christ. The character of God. If you don't know what to start with, start with that. You know? So, the first one we're going to look at today is found in the first chapter of the Gospel of John in verse 29. It is given by Jesus' cousin, some of you may know, John the Baptist, the man God chose to prepare and announce the coming of Messiah. And we're going to see what he used to describe this Jesus. In John chapter 1, verse 29, the next day, John saw Jesus coming toward him and said, Look, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. So the first one we're going to look at today is the Lamb of God. Amen. So what do you think of when you hear the words lamb? We think of cute little sheep, fluffy, white colour. It's very funny. One of the, uh, the second uh, activity we did in our care group was uh, when you think of Jesus, what's the first thing come to your mind? Some shared, oh, white. Some shared, uh, uh, a more man with long hair, very handsome. <laughs> So when we think of the word Lamb of God, what comes to our mind? But do you know for the Jews, when John said the Lamb of God, immediately there were some thoughts that were triggered in their mind. They knew exactly what John was trying to say. Substitute, sacrifice, salvation. These things came to every Jew's mind. And these thoughts are filled by the countless image of lambs we see throughout the Old Testament. And we're going to look at three today. The first use of the word lamb in the Bible is in Genesis chapter 22, in the story of Moriah, where we see the lamb as a substitute. In Genesis chapter 22, 7 to 8, But Isaac spoke to Abraham his father and said, My father, and he said, Here I am, son. And he said, Look, the fire and the wood. But where is the lamb for a burnt offering? See, in those times when they wanted to offer sacrifice or worship to God, they would bring an animal, they would bring a lamb to sacrifice as a sweet incense to the Lord. And Abraham said, My son, God will provide for himself the lamb for a burnt offering. But Isaac didn't know. But God already told Abraham, I want you to sacrifice your son Isaac. 
And so the two of them went together. In fact, after this verse, it says, or before that, Abraham told his servant, you don't need to follow us. The lad and I will go yonder and worship. See, even though it was so difficult, like honestly, if God asked me to sacrifice Micah, well, I don't know how I can do that. I'm not saying he's going to do that, okay? We no longer have to offer sacrifice in the New Testament. Thank God, amen. Okay? But imagine if I put myself in Abraham's shoe and he asked me to sacrifice this cute little Micah. Wow, it's going to be tough. But he saw that as worship. And do you know why Abraham saw that as worship? See, many times we struggle with the sacrifice or the Isaac that God asks us to lay down on the altar. It's because we are focusing on the loss. We're focusing on the sacrifice. But Abraham focused on his character. And when we shift our eyes to him, then the very sacrifice, eh, like what Paul said, I counted it as loss. It's, It's nothing compared to what I will know about God. So when they went up to the mountain, at the top of the mountain, Abraham stacked the wood, he prepared the altar, he lighted the fire, he tied his son, and then he drew the knife, ready to kill his son. And he was about to stab the son or kill him. Then suddenly something happened. But the angel of the Lord called out to him from heaven, Abraham, Abraham, wait, wait. And Abraham said, here I am. See, aren't you thankful that, aren't you thankful you want to be able to hear the voice of God? <laughs> I'm glad Abraham was sensitive to the voice of God, that he didn't, if he don't know what God sounds like, I'll tell you, too late already, right? He said, here I am. And the angel said, do not lay your hand on the boy, he said. Do not do anything to him. Now I know that you fear God, because you have not withheld from me your son, your only son, So instead of Isaac dying, God provided for himself a sacrifice, an innocent lamb. The next image that passed through a Jew's mind when the word lamb of God was used was this example in Exodus 12, where the lamb is seen as a sacrifice. It reads in Exodus 12, 6 to 7, Take special care of this chosen animal until the evening of the 14th day of this month, Then the whole assembly of the community of Israel must slaughter their lamb or young goat at twilight. And they are to take some of the blood and smear it on the sides and the top of their doorposts. So this story was the story of um, the Exodus. Many of you know the story of Moses, or you maybe, if you do not know, you can go and watch Prince of Egypt. Okay, so instead of watching WandaVision, you can go watch Prince of Egypt on Disney+. Plus. Okay? So, oh, I don't know whether it's Disney show, but anyways, I think it is. Uh, okay. So, God's people, the children of Israel, they are now in captivity. They are in Egypt. They have, they have become slaves, okay? And they cry out to God. And after 400 years, God heard them. And then he sent Moses, okay? And so I fast forward the story. Moses, 80 years old already. He come back from the wilderness going to Egypt. And he go to Pharaoh and say, let my people go but Pharaoh don't want. So what happened? Then he sent the plagues. Okay? We know the, the different plagues that uh, God uh, released on Egypt. Plague of frogs, gnats, boils, locusts, the darkness, the, the now turned into blood. But still, Pharaoh don't want to budge. 
then no choice. The show hand card that God used was the death of the firstborn. But what was interesting about this death of the firstborn plague was that it was not just something that was immune to Israel. There was something that they had to do. In fact, anyone, okay, they had to slaughter the lamb. There had to be a sacrifice of the lamb. They take the blood and they put it on the doorposts of wherever they live. And so when the angel came by to judge and to kill the firstborn as a judgment throughout the land of Egypt, when they see the doorpost got the blood of the lamb, what will happen? They will pass over it. Judgment will pass over. And likewise, you know, I, I know we are like maybe a month uh, ahead and we're going to be having uh, celebrating Good Friday or Resurrection Sunday soon. Right. We're going to be you know, hearing again about what the lamb did, the blood that was shed. And you see, that, that's why this lamb is so special because this is the thing that delivered Israel from, the, from Egypt. Because after this plague of the death of the firstborn, Pharaoh said, I surrender. Get out, get out of Egypt. Go, go away. This was what delivered them. And so when they think of the Lamb of God, oh, it was not just cute little sheep, but it was the sacrifice that was made that delivered them from bondage, that delivered them from Pharaoh. Amen. And the third image of a lamb that will that come to the mind of a Jew, we're going to see in Isaiah 53, the image of a saviour. In Isaiah 53, 5-7, but he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of, for our peace was upon him. And by his stripes we are healed. All we, all we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way. And the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. He was oppressed. He was afflicted. This is describing Jesus. This is describing Messiah. Yet, he opened not his mouth and he was led as a lamb to the slaughter. And as a sheep before its shearers is silent, so he opened not his mouth. Aren't you thankful when Jesus came? He came as a lamb of God. Hallelujah. He came and he didn't, if he had the most reason to open his mouth and judge, yeah. but he remained silent. Why? Because of you and I. Thank he decided to say, I will take it. I will, I, will, I will be the sacrifice for my people because I want them to know me, yeah. because I want to have a relationship with them. Yeah. See, because of Jesus, our sins are passed over. That's what we experience, just like the Jews, just like the people in, in Israel when, when, the Jews, when the Passover happened in Egypt. Our sins are passed over us because of the blood of the Lamb. Amen. And our wounds are healed. Hear me, on Mount Calvary, where Jesus hung on the cross, there was no one to shout, Stop! Don't harm him. Unlike Moriah, there was no one to say stop. Because the one shouting stop to Abraham in Genesis 22 had become the sacrifice himself. He laid himself willingly on the altar. See, Jesus has become our substitute the perfect lamb. That after when this lamb of God was slain, no longer do we need to come to church bringing an animal anymore because he was the perfect sacrifice to take our sins away. Amen. He is the lamb of God that was provided so that like Isaac, 
you and I here can live. And like Israel, we can be set free. See, this Lamb of God, He gave it willingly. No one took His life. He gave it willingly. He gave it for you. He gave it for me. Colossians 1, 21-23, this includes you, who were once far away from God. You were His enemies, separated from Him by your evil thoughts and actions. Yet, now, He has reconciled you to Himself through the death of Christ in His physical body. As a result, He has brought you into His own presence. And you are holy and blameless as you stand before Him without a single fault. But you must continue to believe this truth and stand firmly in it. Don't drift away from the assurance you received when you heard the good news. See, that is what the Word is saying to us today. Don't drift away. For those who do not know Him, uh, experience Him as the Lamb of God, you have this beautiful opportunity to experience Him. And I'm just going to throw it out commercial free. If you have never been in a UTB to learn more about this Lamb of God, please sign up today. You, you, you will be the best decision you make because you're going to know more about Him. But for those of us who have been here so many times, let it be a reminder that what this Lamb of God has done for you and I, and let us not allow this assurance to drift from us whatever we may experience in life. Amen. Now, there's one last image about Christ as a Lamb. Okay? It is found in the book of Revelation where the word Lamb is used 34 times. And it's this example of a lamb as the soon coming king. In Revelation 5, 5, 6, But one of the 24 elders said to me, Stop weeping. Look, the lion of the tribe of Judah, the heir to David's throne, has won the victory. He is worthy to open the scroll and its seven seals. So we were thinking, right, they are ready, like, wow, this lion come out, like lion king, like so majestic. Then suddenly they saw one. Then I saw a lamb. Talk about... Uh, anti-climax, right? But there's a reason, okay? Then I saw a lamb that looked as if it had been slaughtered. But it was now standing between the throne and the four living beings and among the 24 elders. He had seven horns and seven eyes which represent the sevenfold spirit of God that is sent out into every part of the earth. See, Jesus was this lamb. He was the lamb of God but he's going to return as this lion of Judah. He is not this weak little lamb that got killed, but he is one lion that has all authority. He is this soon coming king. The God that we serve is not weak. The God that we serve didn't just stay in the tomb. The God that we serve resurrected. Amen. He is alive. And so, this scripture talks about the lamb was worthy to open the scroll. So what happened? When the lamb takes the scroll, the lamb of God takes the scroll, and when he opened it, what happened to the 24 elders, those that were in his audience? What did they do? See, there was only one appropriate response. They worship him. And that is what our response is today. When we begin to understand and we are reminded of this lamb of God, what yes. he did for us, there is only one appropriate response today, church, and that is worship. In Revelation 5, 8 to 14, after he had, when he had taken it, when the Lamb of God had taken the scroll, the four living creatures and the 24 elders fell before the Lamb. 
Each one had a harp, and they were holding golden bowls full of incense, which are the prayers of the saints. And they sang a new song. You are worthy to take the scroll and open its seals because you were slain. And with your blood, you purchased men for God from every tribe and language and people and nation. You have made them to be a kingdom and priests to serve our God, and they will reign on the earth. Then I looked and heard the voice of many angels, numbering thousands upon thousands, and ten thousands, ten times ten thousand. They encircled the throne and the living creatures and the elders. In a loud voice they sang, Worthy is the Lamb who was slain to receive power and wealth and wisdom and strength and honour and glory and praise. Then I heard every creature in heaven and on earth and under the earth and on the sea and all that is in them singing to Him who sits on the throne and to the Lamb to be praised and honour and glory and power forever and ever. Church, why don't we take this time right now? Father, Lord, we just want to take this time to lift you up, God. Lord, worthy is the Lamb who was slain that when you came down and paid the price when you died for my sins oh God when you shed your blood for me you became that perfect sacrifice Lord you took my place Lord it would, should have been me Lord that died but you substituted me Lord and Father today God you are Lord that saviour God you are that king God and today Lord we honour you why don't we lift a clap of praise one more time to the Lord this morning Amen <laughs> Hallelujah Hallelujah and so that is the only appropriate response when we begin to know Him as the Lamb of God. See, when you get a revelation of who God is, it affects your worship. When you know the character of Christ, it will lead you to worship Him. And when you do find yourself losing your fire for God, it's like, oh, I still don't feel anything. Go back to the cross. See, that's what we did when we were reminded of Him as the Lamb. Go back to the cross. Go back to the altar and remember what God has done for your life. See, the fire is always ignited at the altar where the Lamb is. Yes. Amen. We're going to move on to the next title that we're going to see this morning. And it's also found in the book of Revelation. <clears throat> in Revelation 1.8, it says, I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end, says the Lord who is and who was and who is to come, the Almighty. This second title we're going to see today is The Alpha and the Omega. What does this mean? For some of us, the only Omega we know is the one we wear on our watch, on our, our wrist, okay? Or the fish oil we eat, Omega. Okay, but that's not what Jesus uh, is represented by, okay? So, Alpha and Omega is actually the first and the last alphabet of the Greek alphabets. Okay? Liken it to A and Z. Okay? That's Alpha and Omega. In Revelation chapter 21, verse 4 to 7, it reads, we will wipe every tear from their, He will wipe every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain, for the old order of things has passed away. He who was seated on the throne said, I am making everything new. Then he said, write this down, for these words are trustworthy and true. He said to me, it is done. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. To him who is thirsty, I will give to drink without cost from the spring of the water of life. He who overcomes will inherit all this, 
and I will be his God and he will be my son. See, just as Jehovah calls himself the first and the last in Isaiah 44, 6, Jesus is called the beginning and the end. In Isaiah 44, 6, Thus says the Lord, the King of Israel and his Redeemer, the Lord of hosts, I am the first, I am the last. Besides me, there is no God. This title of Jesus simply reveals his identity to all who read the book of Revelation. That's why it's called Revelation. It's a revelation of who Christ is. That he is Jehovah God of the Old Testament manifested in the flesh. So when we think of him as Alpha Omega, what does that mean to me? I don't understand. Why, why is he have to be the first and the last alphabet? What does that mean to me? This is what this title means. When we understand this character of Christ as Alpha and Omega, as beginning and end, this is what it means. It means that Jesus has always been here from the beginning of time to the end. That he was here before even the world was spoken into existence. In fact, God lives outside of time. It means that he existed from everlasting to everlasting. It means that Jesus is always there and he's already standing where you are going. That's the beautiful part. He's even better than Avengers. I know Avengers, you watch the end game, right? Where they travel back time, uh, then you get confused, right? But Jesus is more powerful. He's outside of time. He's in your past, present, future. Wherever you need him, he's right there. And he is a sure foundation. He is a solid rock that we can count on Him 100%. What does it mean to be that He is Alpha and Omega? It means we can place our complete trust in Him. See, the reason why Abraham could go up to Mount Moriah and be willing to sacrifice Isaac was not because Abraham was very spiritual. You know, I know we, we, we want to be like Abraham, but it's not because Abraham was super tzai, or very holy, or that's why he can sacrifice Isaac. And we say that, well, I'll never be like Abraham. But it's not because of how good Abraham was. But let's see why Abraham could do it. In Hebrews chapter 11, verse 19, Abraham reasoned that God could even raise the dead. And so, in a manner of speaking, he did receive Isaac back from the dead. Another translation says, Abraham accounted unto God that he was able to bring Isaac back from the dead. Even if he had to kill him, he knew God was able to raise him up. He knew that when God gave him a promise that through Isaac, all your offspring is going to come forth. means he knew that God will not be a liar. That God, if you say that my, inherit, my, my legacy is going to come through Isaac, and if you ask me to kill him, means you're going to raise him up because there is no plan B. Because that's what God said. And so when we look at the word account, you know, I don't know how many financial people or accountants here, it really, well, when I look at it, it's like, wow, this is super cool. It was not blind faith that Abraham said, okay, la, okay, la, I just do it, la, then see what happens. But he used the word account, means there was a calculated decision. Yes. See, to account or to count, it simply means to count over, it's to calculate, he reasoned. That means there's logic behind it. Eh? Yes, yes. That there is a pattern that he he was able to count something. Yeah. And there is that. And what does it mean when he put it to God's account? It means that when he, when he take a look at God's account, I don't know, okay, I'm not very like financially, but when you say the account looks good, means there's stuff in the bank account. Lah. 
is in the green, right? There's surplus, you will not go into deficit. And that's what he saw in God. God's account looks good. Uh, or in other words, we may be familiar, God got good credit. Yeah. Right? And so, why is that so? Why does he account God as good? Because he is Alpha and Omega. This is the character of God that Abraham knew that God, you are from my A to Z and everything in between it, you are it. And because you are that, I can trust you. Amen. Amen. Oftentimes we struggle because like I said, we focus on the sacrifice. But God is trying to tell us today that we are looking at the wrong thing. Right. When we keep looking at the sacrifice or what I cannot do or cannot do, it will become burdensome. Wow, Christianity is so hard. Serve God so hard. Yeah. But we are looking at the wrong thing. Why don't we like Abraham begin to look at him? Look at his account. When I look at my account, wow, I get depressed. Why? I like, wow, I thought I, this is the max I can go at God. You ask me to sacrifice one more, I cannot already. Right, right, but God is saying, I'm not asking you to, to look at your credit. I'm not asking you to look at your account. Look at mine. He's saying, look at mine. Amen. So, when we look at his character, the sacrifice turns into worship. It becomes... From an act of having to lose, it becomes an act and expression of love. Amen. Wouldn't you want that? That when you come to God, whatever it may be, it becomes an expression of love to Him. Amen. See, same thing in, in our relationships. You know, when we are in love with someone, you will travel around the world, you're halfway around Singapore to go and buy what they crave for. You will, they say, oh, I feel like eating the Hong Lim, the Cha Kui Tiao, the Old Trump Park one, the best in Singapore. But then when you think about the queue, you're wow, sien tiao. But if your loved one say, hey, I really feel like eating that, you will go and queue. You maybe you even wake up earlier to go and queue. Why? Because to you it's worth the sacrifice. Yeah. Not just because it tastes good, because you know it will please your lover. Yeah. And same thing with God. When we begin to look at the relationship we have with Him, is it worth the sacrifice for you? Amen. Amen. So the another amazing thing when we understand and know God as the Alpha and Omega, is that it reminds us that Jesus is unlike us. He is unlike me. I tend to procrastinate and leave things to be done at the last minute, to leave things to be undone, and I fail to follow through. But I thank God that Jesus finished whatever He started, Amen. that He is the beginning, but He also got ending. Amen. Amen. He is the author, but the storybook don't just end halfway. You know, some of us watch the, the Netflix series, right? Season 1, season 2, then suddenly the director quit. Then you, wow, leave me hanging eh. Then you see. But this Jesus, he is a beautiful writer. He's a beautiful director. He doesn't quit on you. When he starts your story, he has an ending in mind. And this ending is a good ending because the Bible says that the thoughts that I think towards you are not thoughts of evil, but of peace and of an expected end. Hallelujah. That is the kind of God that we serve today. And the Thank Alpha you, and Omega. See, when we look at um, him as Alpha and Omega, we'll be reminded that, that he is from the start to the end of the Bible. Right. When we look through Scripture, we can see that Christ completed what he began in Genesis. In Genesis, God created the heavens and the earth. But in Revelation, he created a new and perfect heaven and earth. In Genesis, Satan began to act. 
Humanity lost paradise and sin and death begin to reign. But in Revelation, Satan is cast into the pit forever. Paradise is regained and death and sin are destroyed forever. Aren't you glad for that? Aren't you glad for the ending? See, in Genesis, man is driven from God's presence. But in Revelation, man is brought back into the God's presence for all eternity. Aren't we thankful that God has brought us back into His presence? Amen. Indeed, Jesus is the beginning and the end. We can see Him, in fact, in every single book of the Bible. You say, are you sure? Yes, from Genesis to Revelation, you can see Him from every single book, every 66 book. I'm not going to read it because it's very long. But I'm going to share a few, okay? And if you are interested, you know, uh, we can send you from Genesis to Revelation. In Genesis, we see Him as the seed of the woman. In Exodus, he is the Passover lamb. In Leviticus, he is the great high priest. We fast forward down to the book of uh, Ruth. He is the kinsman redeemer. Yeah. We jump down to uh, Job. He is the divine mediator. In Psalms, he is the God's glorious son. In Proverbs, he is wisdom incarnate. Then let's fast forward to Daniel. You know the story of Daniel when the three boys got thrown in the fire. He was that fourth man in the fiery furnace. In the book of Jonah, he is the great foreign missionary. Even though Jonah don't want to go, but God still went. Amen. Uh, Micah, he is the saviour from Bethlehem. In Zechariah, he is known as the pierced one. In Malachi, he is the son of righteousness. Then now let's look at New Testament, even more about him. Matthew, the royal king. In Mark, the servant of God. In Luke, the son of man. In John, the word become flesh. In Romans, the justifier. In Corinthians, he's our sanctifier. In Galatians, he's our rope of righteousness. In Ephesians, he is the grace that saves us. In Philippians, he is the one who will finish the work he started in us. In Hebrews, he is both the high priest and sacrifice. In Peter, he is our chief shepherd. In John, the love of God and the one that is in us and that is greater. In Revelation, he is the King of kings and the Lord of hosts. See, that's why we can find Jesus in every single book of the Bible. Why? Because He is the Alpha and Omega. Amen. Why don't we lift our hands? And do you know what's the only response when we begin to know that He is the Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end? It means that I can trust You, Lord. Father, Lord, as we, O God, See, O oh God, through your word, God, that you are the Alpha and Omega, that you are the beginning and the end, that you are the author and the finisher of my faith, O oh God. Lord, it means, God, that you are my A to Z and everything in between, God, that you are, O oh God, what I need in the very present time, O oh God. You are my very present help in time of need. And my response to you today, God, knowing that you are Alpha and Omega, is, Lord, I can trust you, God. I can trust whatever situation I may be, O oh God that if I'm in need of healing, you are my healer. When I'm in need of provision, you are my provider. When I'm in need of forgiveness, God, you are my saviour. When I'm in need, oh God, of peace, God, you are my prince of peace, God. When I need a father, oh God, to hang on to, you are my everlasting father. And when I need a God to show up in my trial, you are the almighty God. So Father, today, God, we trust in you, God, Alpha and Omega, beginning and the end. In Jesus' name, why don't we clap our praise to Him one more time. Amen. Amen. You see, when you know someone has it all settled, his resume from A to Z, he pao ka liao, it makes you feel, I can trust Him. 
I don't have to be scared. Amen. So when we see the Lamb of God, we will worship Him. When we see Him as Alpha and Omega, we know we can trust Him. That brings us to the last title we'll look at this morning. That Jesus is the Lord. That Jesus is the Lord. We see this used 181 times in the Gospels, 100 times in the book of Acts, 331 in the rest of the New Testament. See, when the Bible uses a certain word a lot of times, it means there's a lot of emphasis in it. So what does it mean then when we say that Jesus is the Lord? We say it a lot of times. Many times we pray also, we unknowingly. We, we pray, oh Lord Jesus, we thank you, da, da, da. We use it so often, but what does it really mean? In Revelation 19 verse 16, it says, On his robe and on his tie, he has this name written, King of kings and Lord of lords. The word Lord, in definition, means it's someone that has power and authority to whom a person belongs to. So when we say that, Jesus, you are my Lord, we are saying, Jesus, I belong to you. You have authority over me. It also means he who has the power to deciding. Whoa, when you hear that, you are like, wow, that's a bit scared already, right? <laughs> Meaning that Jesus has the power to make every decision for your life. Another word, it says, controller. When we think of that, wow, now it makes, it's a whole different picture when we say that Jesus is Lord. He's saying that Jesus, you are the controller of my life. Why is that hard? Because for me, I want to be my own controller. I want to be the one that makes my own decisions. I want to be my own Lord. Let's read in Matthew 7, 21 to 23, what it means to really live as if He is the Lord. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, shall enter the kingdom of heaven, but he who does the will of my Father in heaven. Many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in your name, cast out demons in your name, and done many wonders in your name? And then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you who practice lawlessness. See, it's one thing to say, call him Lord, Lord. It's another thing to live it out, to treat him as Lord. So what does it mean when we say that we will call him Lord? It means that Jesus is the boss. Um, I mentioned earlier about this word association I did in my care group. And one of my members said, the first thing that crossed his mind is, when he thinks of Jesus, is Taoke. He is the boss. That he is in charge. And that it is all about him and not us. See, the key to knowing Jesus is more than just reading the Bible. That's the first step. And listening to sermon or come here and listen to the preaching. It means to obey Him as Lord, no matter the cost. That means for Him to be Lord, it's not that we come and listen to a good message. It's when you step out of here and how are you going to respond to the message today? That determines if you are living as if He is Lord. In Luke chapter 6, verse 46, it says, Why do you call me Lord, Lord, and do not do what I say? So what Jesus is in effect saying is, if, you want, if I'm really your Lord, means you will do what I say. See, we know Jesus from different ways. We know Him from the Word. We know Him from the Spirit. We know Him from His body. We know Him from His power. But true intimacy takes place when we choose to know Him in His suffering. See, it's easy that He is Lord 
when everything goes well in life, when my bank account is full, when my health is good, my kid is healthy, don't cry at night, sleep through the night. But when things don't go my way, when I lose my job, I don't know whether the money in the bank account can sustain me one month or my relationship with the family doesn't look good, medical report don't look good, doctor's report sounds bad, then him being Lord oh, become very hard. Or maybe some of us, we already have a plan in our lives. Oh, yeah. I want to be this. Oh, I already planned out my career path already. Nothing bad with that. But then we are making all the decisions that God is not even in the midst of it. And when we live as if He, we are the Lord, He will know how to get a hold of your attention to say, hey, don't forget, I'm your Lord, okay? And why does He want to do that? It's not because Jesus is sadistic, He wants you to feel pain. It's because like what we read earlier, at the end of the day, when we stand before Him, when all this wraps up at the judgment seat of Christ, we want to hear him say, well done, thy good and faithful servant. I don't want to hear him say, I do not know you, depart from me. Wow, it's too much at stake. Eh? And so I got to know him as Lord now and not just call him Lord at the judgment. See, and many times we go through bad things in life, we go through suffering in life. Why? Because Jesus wants us to learn and experience him as Lord. That I will be your Lord not only in the good times, not only on the mountain tops, but I will be your Lord in the valleys, in the darkest, deepest trials of your life. I want to be your Lord. That's what he's saying to us. In Philippians chapter 2, verse 8 to 11, it reads, And being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even the death of the cross. Therefore, God also has highly exalted him and given him the name which is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee shall bow, and of those in heaven and of those on earth and of those under the earth, that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. See, if we want to know him as Lord, if we want to know him in our weaknesses, See, to know Jesus in your weakness is to know compassion, forgiveness, tenderness, mercy, and His heart. See, when we go through suffering in life, we will start to question. I don't know you, but when I go through uh, difficult times, my first tendency is not to turn to God. My first tendency is to try to fix it. My first tendency is to try to take control of the situation. But when I want to learn and experience Him as Lord, He's saying, surrender to me. That is the only way you will know Him as Lord. See, God's promise is life from death, joy from sorrow, dancing from mourning. See, knowing Jesus in His death allows us to know Him in His resurrection. When we look at the stories in the Bible, when we look at Joseph, we like the ending, but do we like the in-between? He went from a dream to a pit to Potiphar's slave to prison and then finally the palace. Abraham, he had a promise of a child, but then there was the death of a womb. Then there was fulfillment and then there, suddenly there was Moriah. And then suddenly he experienced God as provider. With Jesus, he started off out with miracles, 
But then suddenly, why it seemed like the story turned bad? He had to die on the cross. He had to be buried. But then it ended with his resurrection. See, why does God allow the death of the dream? In this journey of knowing him as Lord, you will experience the death of a dream. I re- there's this article that was really cool when I was reading it. Jamie Buckingham wrote in an article in Charisma magazine just months before he died of cancer that in the early part of his life, his struggle was always centred around trying to get things accomplished and doing greater things for God. Now that he was older and wiser, he realised that the most important endeavour in life was to actually understand his God and wrestling to know his will. As you mature in the Lord, you also will find that your greatest task is not just completing a project, but understanding God and how He wants you to act as you do His will. Getting things done is only one aspect of your life. Performing them in a manner that pleases God is the real goal. You see, when you go through a trial of life, get ready because God is going to reveal Himself to you. He's going to reveal himself as Lord. He's going to reveal himself as Alpha and Omega. In Jeremiah 9, 23-24, he says, Thus says the Lord, Let not the wise man glory in his wisdom. Let not the mighty man glory in his might. Nor let the rich man glory in his riches. But let him who glories glory in this, that he understands and knows me, that I am the Lord exercising loving kindness, judgment, righteousness in the earth. For in these I delight, says the Lord. See, because God is not just interested in you achieving a goal for Him. I, I, I thank God that we live for God, we do great things, you know, you teach a Bible study. Those things are great. I'm not saying you stop doing it. But what He's more interested in is that you will learn about His character. To Him, the task done is great. But how the task is done is even more important to Him because that will display His character. When we learn what it means to be a disciple of Christ, that's great. But the true mark of a disciple we read is that how do I know that you are my disciples? How do people know that you are my disciples when you have love for one another? That's how the way you live, the character of Christ is lived out in your life. The way you treat another person, the way you love your neighbour, the way you love your enemies. We don't like it. That one very hard. Teach Bible study may be easier than loving my enemies. Why? Because when we learn to live out His character, that's what it means to be His disciple. That's what it means truly to understand His will. So how should we respond in times when it's hard to call Him Lord? When it's hard for Him to be in charge? We praise Him for who He is. We worship Him for who He is. God is fixing to reveal Himself to you and you will gain a fresh knowledge of Him. See, when we come and understand Him as the Lord, that He's the one that is going to watch over you, the one that is going to control your life, there is only one appropriate response to that. Okay, if not, the Lord is just another title we call. But for Him to be truly Lord over our lives, the only response we need to do is surrender. It is the one, it's one thing to know Him as God, it is another thing to know Him as Lord. See, the most amazing thing about knowing Him as Lord is that it unlocks the depth, the height, the width, 
and the length of all of who He is. You see, in the story of Abraham that we saw today, before Abraham knew him as Jehovah Jireh, he knew him as the Lord. How do we see that happen? Not because Abraham said, oh Lord, I call you Lord, but it's through his obedience. When he chose to lay down Isaac on the altar, that was his expression of saying, Lord, I surrender to you. Whatever you're going to ask me to lay down on the altar, that is my surrender to you. And so, Abraham's surrender to God resulted in something. He unlocked another revelation of God that Abraham never knew. He began to call out to him as Jehovah Jireh. See, many of us, we may be going through a difficult situation in life, a trial in your life. In fact, for me, I still remember uh, there was a situation in my life, in my family, a um, few years ago, where our family was in need. You know, some of you may have heard this story. We were in financial need. And the most logical thing a man would do is to control or have to keep money tight so I keep this thing tight so I don't give, I, I hold on to it. It makes logical sense, right, to, a, to, 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 to the world. But then God said, no, give. Whatever you have, I know you may seem like your situation, you are in lack, you are in trouble, but he's saying, give. And so I said, okay, God, I don't know what it means, but okay, I surrender it. I let go that the security I have is not in my finances, but is in you. And suddenly it unlocked a revelation about God I never knew. In the past, I only sing Jehovah Jireh, my provider. But now when I sing the song, there is understanding. Why? Because when I surrendered to His Lordship, when He said, go, and I go, suddenly it unlocked. Lord, now I know what it means that you are Jehovah Jireh. Every time now I step into my house, it's not just a house, but it's a testament of God's provision. Every time you step in your situation, when you see, oh, wow, God, you heal my loved one. It no longer is just a healing, but it's a revelation that God is healer. When you step into your deepest fears, you don't have to step into it thinking, oh no, what is it going to be like? But you're going to step in and know that, Lord, you are my peace. See, that is what God wants for us today, to have a deeper knowledge, a deeper revelation of knowing who He is. Amen. So, why don't we stand? You see, this is just the tip of the iceberg of knowing who God is, of knowing who Christ is. But if it is your desire today that says, Father, I want to know you more. I want to know different facets of you that I have never experienced before. Why don't you lift your hands this morning? Father, Lord, today, God, you are calling us, O oh God to go deeper with you, God. You are calling us and inviting us, God, to know you more, God. Lord, today as we have seen, Lord, the different names, different titles, the different characteristics of who you are, God, as the Lamb of God, as the Alpha and Omega, as the Lord over our lives, God. Lord, let it not just stop at just a head knowledge today, God. But Lord, I pray that we will begin to experience you, God, as the Lamb of God. Father, Lord, for some of us here, we may be new, oh God, to 
to Christianity. We may be new to who you are, God. But Lord, I pray that you will reveal yourself as the Lamb of God in our lives, O God. That you will reveal to us, that you will remind us, O God, of the sacrifice that you have made for our sins, O God. That, Father, we will experience salvation in your beautiful name, God. Father, I pray today, God, that we will be able to experience you as the Alpha and Omega. Lord, as we leave this place today, as we go back to life, oh God, to, tomorrow, God, when we go back to work, when we go back to school, when we go back to our struggles, when we go back to our trials that we may be facing, our circumstances, God. Lord, I pray that we will experience you as the Alpha and yes, the Omega, Lord. God. Lord, that you are the beginning and the end, God. Lord, that today, God, Lord, we can cast all our cares upon you, that we can cast all our fears before you, God, because you are my Prince of Peace, God. You are my everlasting Father, God. You are, oh God, Harakia the author and the finisher of my faith, God, that you have not abandoned me, God. That you are greater, oh God. Greater is he that is in me than he that is of this world, God. Father, I pray today, God, Lord, help us know you, God. And Father, today, God, as we experience you, God, as Lord, oh God, Lord, I know the greatest challenge that we will all have is not recognizing that you are the God, but you are the Lord, Lord. I pray, Father, Lord, that as we Learn to surrender ourselves to you. Church, if it is your desire today to surrender to His Lordship, why don't you make that your personal prayer? Why don't you make that personal recommitment to Him today as the Lord? Father, Lord, as I recommit myself, God, to you, God, that you are my Lord, God, I pray, God, I want to surrender, God, my agenda, God, my will to you, God. I want to surrender, God, my desires to you, God. Lord, I know, God, that it is hard, God, because, Lord, it seems uncertain, God. The situation seems, God, out of hand, God. And I'm scared, Lord. I'm afraid, God. I'm afraid that I'm going to lose out, God. But, God, I pray today, God, Lord, as I surrender to you as the Lord over my life, oh God, as the one that has the power to make the decisions of my life, God. Lord, I pray that you will reveal yourself to me, God. Just like Abraham, Lord, when he surrendered Isaac to you, God, he begin to know you as Jehovah Jireh. Lord, I pray in the name of Jesus that you will I, begin, I believe, God, and I lose, oh God, new experiences, God, new revelations, oh God, upon each and every one of us, God, that as we truly live as you, as the Lord of our lives, God, I pray even this week, God, let your word not return void, oh God, let your word come true for us, God, let your character shine true, oh God, in our lives, in our situation, God, that whatever we may be facing this week, God, that Lord Harakai, that you will, will re, be, know you, God, as Jehovah Jireh. That we'll begin to know you as Jehovah, our healer. That we'll begin to know you as Jehovah, our peace, God. That we'll begin to know you as Jehovah that is there, God. That we'll begin to know you as Jehovah that has become our salvation, O oh God. Lord, I pray, O oh God, Haraka, let the word, O oh God, of God become alive in our life, O oh God. Let it not just be words written on a book, O oh God, but let it come alive in us, God. Lord, that when we begin to sing songs of praise and worship, to you, God, that Lord, it will not just be another song I sing mindlessly, God, but attached to it, God, there is understanding, Lord. Attached to it, there is revelation, God. Attached to it, there is an experience, God. So, Lord, I pray, God, have your way in me, Lord, this week. Have your way, oh God, whatever it may cost me, God. I pray, God, Haraka, teach me what it means, oh God, Harakaya, to have you as the Lord over my life, God. And Father, Lord, we just want to pray, God. That Lord, 
as we leave this place today, God, Lord, that you will continue, God, to watch over your people, God. Lord, I pray that as we awaken tomorrow, God, I pray for a fresh new desire, a fresh new, oh God, hunger, God, to know you, God. Lord, on my own account, God, I have no capacity, God, to, to know more, God. On my own account, God, I have no capacity to obey. On my own account, I have no capacity to desire more, God. But Lord, today, I focus on your account, God. I account to you that you are good, God. On the account that you are faithful, God. On the account that you are able. On the account that you are sovereign, God. On the account that you are my way maker, God. On the account that you are my miracle worker, God. And so I cling on to your account. I cling on to your past record, oh God, that you have my best interest at heart, oh God. And so Father, as we leave this place today, we walk out of here, God, with a renewed trust in you. We walk out of here with a peace, oh God, that surpasses all understanding, God, because we know that the God that we serve, oh God, is able. We know that the God we serve is alive, oh God. And so Father, Lord, once again, God, I pray, God, for every individual that is here. If you have a, a situation that you are going through today, if you have a loved one that is still sick, if you have a crisis you are facing in your life right now, why don't you lift it up to the Lord this morning? Father, oh God, whatever situation we may be facing, God, in our lives today, whether we may be face, feeling, oh God, depressed, whether we may be feeling a loss, a grieving, oh God, whether we may be waiting, oh God, for a miracle to take place in our families, God, Lord, whether, oh God, our, 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 our security is being threatened right now, God. Lord, we want to lift it up to you today, God. We want to continue to stand in the gap, oh God. For the toy family, God. We want to continue to lift up, oh God, Sister Saura, to you today, God. Lord, in the midst of this situation that they are in, oh God, I pray, God, let them experience you as the Alpha and the Omega, God. Lord, that this will become a life, oh God. That in every need, in every lack, God, that you will become their I am, oh God, today, God, I pray, Jesus, that you will be with them. I pray that you will continue, God, to touch Sister Cheryl, God. Lord, we continue to cling on, oh God. We continue to hold on to the promise, oh God, upon your account, God, that you are able to, oh God, raise her up, oh God, that you are able to heal her, God. Lord, I pray in the name of Jesus, in every one of our situations this week, oh God, that you will become, oh God, our peace, God, that you will become our all in all, God, that you will become, oh God, our anchor of hope, oh God. In the name of Jesus, God. In the name of Jesus, that you will become our protector from every sickness, God. In Jesus' name, God, Lord, we pray, oh God. And Lord, our response as we close today, God, Lord, we want to lift up a praise to you. Why don't we lift up a praise to him today? Because we know who he is in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Amen. 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 What a word. I used to pray this prayer, Lord, anoint me. Lord, use me. I used to pray that kind of prayer, but I realized one thing. I stopped praying that kind of prayer and I say, God, I want to know you. Amen. When you know God, anointing flows. Amen. Uh, something that I want you to understand. There are times like you feel like you are, you know, going to the deep end, okay? You paddle out. You don't know what's going to happen, but you got to watch in the spirit. And when you see a wave come, you get on your knees, 
get it up and balance yourself and flow. You see, I truly believe when you walk in the Spirit, you should not be tired. He is my strength. There are times when God says, just put it down, I'll give you the word. Sometimes I, I say, okay, I'm going to do six series of something. <laughs> I haven't prepared yet, bro. <laughs> but then when I put it down and I flow, and my focus is not the lesson. Listen, if you're going to teach a Bible study, if you're going to be a care group leader, you're going to minister to people, you better know Him. Otherwise, you get tired. I'm saying again, you get tired because it's out of your own strength and it's not Him. Amen. And that's why one of the things, your number one goal is not to prepare a message, it's to know Him. Amen. What are we doing to know Him? What investment are you making to know Him? Just because you teach a Bible study, just because you lead a care group, you may not know Him. Because what we need is the presence of Jesus to step into that room. Amen. And where the Spirit of the Lord is, listen very carefully, where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. And today we come in the name of Jesus. We don't come in the name of our problem. We come in the name of Jesus. We can come boldly before the throne of grace. Amen. There is always something to know about Jesus. In my suffering, I will know something about Jesus. And we need to make room to know Jesus. In my fellowship with my brother and sister, I will know something about Jesus. In my crisis in life, I will know about Jesus. So find Jesus in every situation of your life. Not just in the book of Genesis, not just in the book of Exodus, Find Him in your joy. Find Him when you're home. Find Him. If you can connect with Him and you know Him, you will feel the anointing of the Lord and He will lead you and He will guide you. He anoint my head with oil. Amen. And you need to understand this anointing. I need His anointing because my mind can play tricks on me when He anoints my head with oil. I don't have to deal with stress. Let me say this again. Worry is never God's will. Come on, raise your hands. Amen. Father, right now, by the power and the authority in the name of Jesus, Lord, I pray right now that you touch every mind. Lord, that you anoint our minds with oil. Lord, as we get to know you more and more, Father, there I speak liberty. Come on, raise your hands for a moment. Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. So Lord, teach us how to flow in that liberty. If you're not there, God, we will not flow. I want to know where you are at, oh God. I want to know the next wave. I want to know, God, whatever you want me to do so that I can rest into your presence. Hallelujah, God. We come today and we ask all this. In the name of Jesus, hallelujah. Come on, let's give him praise one more time. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. You know what? I thought Charles did a good job, especially when I tell him, Charles, you got to be preaching on Saturday. And he did a great job. 
because uh, he's taking over my place today. I supposed to be preaching, but my ankle is hurting. So can I ask for prayers? Can you lift your hands and just pray for Pastor for a moment right now? Father, we want to pray, God, for Pastor, Lord, Lord, that you would touch him, Lord, today, God, wherever there's that pain, oh God, that, an- that pain in the ankle, in his leg, God, Lord, we are claiming, God, Haraka, we are appealing, God, to your character, to your nature, that you are healer, God, that you are our sustainer, God, Lord, I pray that you will bring healing, oh God, to all the joints that are painful, God, that where there's any swelling, I pray, Lord, in the name of Jesus, Lord, that there be no infection whatsoever, no inflammation whatsoever, yes, but Lord, we claim restoration and healing over him, God. In the name of Jesus, God, we pray, Lord, that you will be with him, Lord, that you will be with his family. In Thank Jesus' you. name we pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you, everyone, for being here in the house of the Lord today. You are dismissed in Jesus' name.